0: This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents.
1: Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast. Liverpool's next opponents need little introduction. Manchester City were the team that Pib Liverpool to the Premier League title last season, and let's face it, they are the team Liverpool will have to finish above this season if they are to end their 30 year wait for the Holy Grail. And it's been a case of so far, so good for Jurgen Klopp's side. They sit top of the table and a 13th consecutive Premier League victory at Anfield on Sunday would open the gap on City to a huge nine points. Could Pep Guardiola's side recover from that? Why does Pep seem so preoccupied by Liverpool? And can City cope without Edison. To answer those questions and many more besides, I spoke to Manchester City writer, blogger, and the creator of the Blue Moon podcast, David Mooney. Enjoy, and we'll be back after the match with the post-game podcast.
0: Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red channel.
1: Well, hi David, thanks very much for joining me on the Blood Red podcast. To look ahead to Liverpool versus Manchester City at Anfield on Sunday. Are you keeping well, mate?
0: yeah not too bad but uh, well I'd say not too bad it's, it's in the build up to the game so I'm alright like, it, it depends entirely what happens
1: on Sunday whether I have a good week or not next week so <laughs> yeah no. I don't know <laughs> No, exactly how you feel and funnily enough I actually remember speaking to Richard Burns your colleague on the Blue Moon Podcast uh, before January's match between the sides and I, I asked him if it was a title decider and I, we're actually only in this November this time around and but I'll ask a similar question is there like a feeling in the City fan base that you need to win this game to stand any chance of hauling Liverpool back again
0: I think at this stage um nine points would obviously be a huge gap to to bridge I think the the maximum it was last season was eight it could have gone to eleven ahead of that Etihad game um I think, like, uh, there is time. There's plenty of time left to to kind of do that nine points. But the problem that that you've got is there's there's kind of this fallacy among City fans that um, City will will fight back and will will overcome a, a deficit, and it's because you look at the titles that they've won they won in 2012 2014 and last season all by overcoming by chasing down a team and and getting ahead of them Um, and it all dates back to that 2012 season with United where the uh, I can't can't actually remember the numbers now I think it was uh, 8 points behind with uh, uh, 8 points behind with 5 games left um, something like that but they were playing each other in the running so there was was an opportunity there Um, and what it, what it kind of means is everybody kind of goes you don't remember eight points with five games to go City can over, overcome it and it's like well yeah they can but the problem is is that with with only five games to go you've only got to win five games with you know if, if City got nine points behind and have to overcome nine points from November they've still got they've pretty much got to win until the end of the season, which is an un- unheard of, you know, Premier League record at this stage. So I, I don't, I, I don't know if nine points is insurmountable at that, at, 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 you know, in, 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 at the start of November. But it certainly feels like it's a very, very big ask. And certainly when you've got the likes of, of City, Liverpool, who have raised the bar over the last couple of seasons to, you know, a, a near perfection anyway. I, I, you know, it's it's going to be tough. So I think, in in that sense, the press is really all on City to 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 make sure that Liverpool don't get out of sight on Sunday. I just really, honestly, don't see how they do it
1: we'll go into that in a moment but just to pick up on something you've said there about how the the bar's being raised because if you, in any other season or maybe any other season apart from the last couple City would probably be top at this time I think they've only dropped seven points all season scoring goals for fun again but they are six points as you say behind Liverpool do you think it's that solely down to Liverpool's relentlessness or have there been some underlying problems at City this season
0: um, I think it's a bit, again without saying on the fence. I think it's a bit of both. Uh, Liverpool, I, I, I honestly, if I you know put my hand on my heart, I don't think City or Liverpool have been playing to the standard that they played no, last no, season. No. I think they've both. I think they've both dropped. Um, but I, 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 think Liverpool. What they haven't done, it lost that ability to just get a result no matter what. And I mean. I, I would say this, but they've had strokes of luck along the way. Mm-hmm. There was the, um, the the Sheffield United game that absolutely, you know, you know I've not I've not seen a, a goalkeeping error um, or the, the frequency of goalkeeping errors that Liverpool <laughs> had in the last twelve months or so as, as often as that. But you kind of earn that by putting pressure on other teams, and yeah, Liverpool weren't at the best against Sheffield United, but they were putting them under pressure, and that's what causes these things to happen. So you know I I, I just I think with the way that they've been just just getting points and picking points up City have kind of lost that in the last few weeks and it's it's a lot been down to injuries, and it's a lot been down to, to Guardiola. Guardiola, a friend of mine has a uh, has a saying about it that he, uh, whenever he's got a problem, his head turn, his head becomes like a million Rubik's cubes all <laughs> spinning at light speed. But just like he, he, his ability to overthink problems is, is ridiculous. And like we saw it against Wolves earlier in the season, his problem was that you know he, he didn't have uh, fit defenders. So what he did was he dropped Fernandinho into the middle, and in order to cover it a little bit more, he had Gundogan half playing as a six, half playing as an eight and kind of filling in between the two and definitely not supporting the right-hand side where Riyad Mahrez was. And all that did was, mean, that Gundogan wasn't really doing anything and Mahrez was isolated on the right. And so the city had absolutely no threat down anything other than the left flank where Wolves were just able to go, right, okay, well, keep coming at us down the left and we'll we'll stick all our players on this side and and block you out. And then they hit us twice on the break. So it's like, if he'd just gone into that game with a normal head on going well okay we've not got we've, we're missing the defenders but I'll just stick underwood at six I'll play Fernandinho in the back form we'll play as we normally do he'd have probably done alright but because of his his kind of he seems to have this fear of uh, things going wrong and, and, and overprotecting himself and I, I think that's that, that's kind of come to the fore a little bit too much this season all because of the players that City have been missing it all kind of started when Laporte got injured against Brighton mm-hmm. and it's just kind of fallen apart from there I, I'll tell you what if Edison isn't fit for, the, 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 if Edison isn't fit for Sunday it's bad if he's not fit for a, a longer spell in the season then it's starting to get quite a problem because I mean Claudio Bravo is uh, it's, you, you just don't know what you're going to get and it's usually quite funny what happens not for City not fans, but City but fans really so.
1: And looking at it he will start won't he if Edison's out and take it there won't be another goalkeeper coming in given what happened against Atalanta with him getting sent off obviously he's not suspended but you don't think Guardiola would throw a curveball in there and bring his number three in
0: uh, well the way that Walker played uh, in the San Zero, I, I think he's given him a genuine selection headache at this point <laughs> you know? uh, you know, I, I don't know Bravo starts off the top of my head but it was another game where the first shot on target against him went in and it just like I, I don't understand I've watched this man play I, I play in goal myself and so I'm not going to claim to be any good at goalkeeping but one thing I do like to think I do is that when I come off my line I make the goal smaller yeah. I've never seen a Goalkeeper come out and, and make it and make it look like it's easier for the strikers to finish. I don't understand how he does it. It's just like he's he's a law unto himself. But the problem is, is that the only other goalkeeper City have got, I think, is Scott Carson, who is what 103 years old. Yeah, rule. Like, Yeah, I don't. Like, he's not going to play Carson ahead of uh, ahead of Bravo. Um, I just yeah. I, I, I if if Edison is there there is we'll find out today in a press conference whether whether Edison is is going to be available or not but I, I, if there is any doubt about him, I mean, you'd send him out there on surely. You know, just, just get him on the pitch for, for whatever reason. Just, just because I don't fancy. Like, if, if Bravo's in goal, surely Liverpool's tactic is is hit everything that you can on it or go in,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no question. Pep's been unfortunate with injuries, maybe with Edison, obviously on top of Laporte and a couple of others at the back as well. But you, you say that he, he, he could be guilty of overthinking things, and I know he gets a bit of stick on social media from Liverpool fans. Uh, it's all part of this rivalry between the clubs and there's no getting away from him he's probably one of the greatest football managers that's ever, ever managed in, in the game but do you think Liverpool do get on his mind or is that just to be expected given the odds such a big rival team? him?
0: I think um, I think Liverpool get on his mind. I think Jurgen Klopp gets on his mind. And I think uh, referees get on his mind. And I think when something's on his mind, I think it, it really, really irritates him. Um, the I have a little bit of sympathy with him. for This, this thing that kind of blew up in the week about uh, his comments about Sadio Mane, um, I have a little bit of sympathy because he was what he says, and I've got no reason to, to disbelieve it, it's down to your listeners to decide if they believe it or not, uh, is um, he says that he was talking about the incident that happened at Leicester with uh, with Mane going down and. It was just kind of when he when he mentioned it in the, in the post match uh, against Southampton. Obviously, Liverpool had just finished at the same time against uh, Aston Villa, and Mane had been booked for, for diving in that game. But that wasn't uh, it wasn't one of the headlines for the game. It wasn't uh, a, a massive thing because you know the, the story was Liverpool have come back to win. You know mm-hmm. it's, it's you know right at the death that sort of thing, and. So what happened was everyone went, oh, he's he's obviously gone into the dressing room, found out that name has been booked to dive in and come out on an assault. And I just think the, the, the chances of that happening are quite slim because... He'd have, he'd have probably seen Liverpool have scored two late goals. He might have seen in the stats bar has been booked. It doesn't tell you what he's been booked for. And the one thing I've learned about Guardiola is if he's got something to say and he's got a point to make, he doesn't need to be asked to make it. He will he will consistently say it again and again and again. And he'll he'll do it in his press conference. He'll have done it in his post match TV interview. He'd have done it in you know when he's speaking to Sky. He'll do it every single interview opportunity. And the match today one was the only one where we mentioned it. So I don't think he, I, I don't particularly think it was on his mind that day it was just it just kind of a perfect storm came into that but the flip side of the coin is he's clearly thinking about it so mm-hmm. he's cl- it's clearly something that is, that is bugging him and getting on his mind about how much Liverpool are coming back to win games late on in, uh, in matches and it, it, you know, it, it partly wouldn't surprise me because when City scored their winner against Southampton, um, City had been they'd been really bad that afternoon. Um, by all accounts, Liverpool weren't much better, and you know, had done had, had done pretty much the same thing, played badly and won. Um, but when City scored their winner, uh, the South, uh, Liverpool was still losing, mm-hmm. so he might well have known that at the time on the touchline, and then he'd come into the dressing room to find Liverpool have won, and just kind of like, had a bit of a scope about it. Um, but he does, he, 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 thinks things, he, he thinks things far too in-depth sometimes, and I think that's part of the reason why they've never really progressed under him in, in the Champions League, because he, he tries to solve problems that probably don't exist, and... You know, on on top of that, he uh, he then ends up tying himself in knots. Sometimes tactically, we've seen it at Anfield a few times, and it wouldn't surprise me if he ties himself up in knots again on Sunday, just because of the problems he's got to try and uh, try and solve. If he had a fully fit squad. Then I think, he, I think he trusts his own instincts. But mm-hmm. as soon as he starts to have smooth players out of position, he stops trusting his instincts and starts to kind of tinkering with things to offer a bit more protection. And that, that it has worked in the past, but it, it, it offers opportunity for it, for it to go spectacularly
1: wrong. Well, we did say before we started uh, recording this conversation that it does feel like there, there could be the elements in place for a perfect storm on uh, on Sunday for City. But before we, before we go there, it's like, you, you know, it, the record at Anfield is poor, there's no getting away from that and it, that goes well back before Pep Guardiola's arrival at the club uh, but I do remember before last season's meeting there was a lot of talk about Klopp being Pep's kryptonite and things like that and you know at the end of the day if Maros hadn't missed that penalty later on so he would have got that long awaited win and then obviously he did actually go on to win at the Etihad in January does that give you more confidence or or, or are, you, are you fearing the worst on Sunday?
0: Uh, you still fear the worst. I think the there is a little bit of confidence, but that kind of comes from the fact that that city that we know City are a good team. They're back to back champions for the first time in a decade, so this is obviously a good team. Um, the problem is, is that Liverpool the, the, the Liverpool style of play is the one that City find hardest to, to play against, and combine that with the fact that Liverpool have got. A, a, a vast array of good players, well, not good players, great players, and Jurgen Klopp is is someone who I think in their head to heads, I think Jurgen Klopp's got the better record of any other mm-hmm. manager that, that Guardiola's faced. So the the idea that he's uh, that he's uh, Guardiola's kryptonite isn't necessarily wrong. I think he, he he Klopp's style of play is the one that Guardiola finds hardest to deal with, and. I, I, I kind of think that what it what it presents for Sunday is you have to kind of weigh up all the evidence, and the evidence of the, like City's hist- history at, at Anfield shouldn't really go into the game that much because the vast majority of those defeats and, and draws for City at Anfield have been when City were absolutely crap. So there's <laughs> like there's <laughs> the, the, there's no bearing between the team of uh, the, weirdly the, the last team that won there in two thousand three was. Um, uh, Nicholas and Elka yeah. and, and John Wright Phillips and you know and, and and Peter Schmeichel in goal. That team has no bearing on on the one that's going to go there on Sunday. But I, I just wonder how much of the. How much it kind of speaks through to the players, oh, we've not won here in 16 years or whatever it is, and, you know, you know the, the team never does well here. How much of that kind of plays on the mind, and then it becomes a psychological issue? Because City have changed players. They've changed manager, they've changed chairman, they've changed owner, they've changed. They've, they've even changed stadium, they're at their own home stadium, and they, it still doesn't change these records like at Anfield. Um, the. Uh, it has changed for City at other places it used to be the same going to the Emirates and now City find that actually quite a nice place to play at uh, it used to be the same going to Old Trafford but then again that was a derby for City and you know, things it's slightly different dynamics but City now quite like going to Old Trafford and, and playing there as well um so I I do wonder if if there is a way to change it. I just don't really know how. And then you, you also have to take into account that that um, it always. I, I don't want to say Liverpool raised the game for City, but it always seems to be that that Liverpool play really really well when a good team comes to yeah. town. So like you know I've, I've watched good. I'm not going to say it's City exclusive because it's not. Um, I remember in the 2014 season under Brendan Rodgers. Um, you know, good teams were going to to, to Anfield. I remember Arsenal going there. Yeah, the I think game. Were, Yeah, they were they were league leaders at the time and I think it was a, a, it was a point where we were going, actually maybe this is where we find out if Arsenal are in this title race. I think Liverpool scores four inside yeah. 15 minutes. And it's yeah. just yeah. <laughs> so, like it, it just that they, they have a way of just making good teams look very ordinary on their own patch. But then they also it doesn't really happen anymore with, with Klopp's Liverpool, but I remember like under Rogers you could you could end up in a situation where maybe Blackpool or, or Hall someone mm-hmm. would turn up and, you, and you'd think oh this is a home three points it's a gimme and then Liverpool would really struggle they don't seem to struggle in the big games at Anfield and I think that's what, what really goes against City in this because City you, you kind of combine all those factors the, the style of play City's mentality Liverpool's ability to pick themselves up for the big games it just creates this situation where City just cannot handle it and if it's, if it's a really fast start then you know, a city don't like fast starts. That's that, that, that's 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 a city can score inside the first 10 or 15 minutes. They generally do okay. If they if the opposition scores, it can become a bit of a slog. If Liverpool score, score early on, then they can go on to batter teams. So it's like it really does it presents so many so many problems for Guardiola this weekend. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Do you, do you miss Vincent Company in a game like this, or just generally? Because we've seen the impact he had in the, the title race, obviously most notably with the, the fantastic winner against Leicester, uh, the second-to-last game of the season. But uh, City missing his presence, and not just a player around the place this season. Uh,
0: the, I mean, I'll take any centre-half if you've got it going. <laughs> uh, they, they do. I think um, it's, it's a weird one, because I think Company for the most part in in the Guardiola era he wasn't a regular and largely because of injuries to himself but he he was a vocal part of the dressing room and the new club captain is David Silva who, you know, I don't think anybody will have a bad word to say about him but he's not the same sort of personality. He's a very quiet person so he's not the sort of person that will, will do the team up and get them ranting and raving and I'm not going to lie, company at times used to get on my nerves with those sorts of inspirational speeches um, but they seem to work and they seem to have this this ability to pick the team up when it, when it really needed it. Um, I think he's been a big loss and you know, they, they they took a risk. They took a little bit of a risk going into the season with, um, with the way that they they dealt with the centre half problem. Often he wanted to leave. Um, he, he wasn't getting enough game time at City, and, and uh, he wanted to move on. Uh, ironically, I don't think now the way he's played this season, a lot of fans would have cared if he had <laughs> if he had not moved on. Moved on. Um, there was that. Uh, they were only going to let him go if they could get another centre half in, because Fernandinho was planned to drop into into the back four to replace company and um, then he would be left with uh, Fernandinho, Osimhen, Stones, and Laporte as your four as your four uh, centre halves. With Laporte's injury, that then put a, a big spanner in the works because he is the natural leader where you've got Fernandinho who is learning the position now. You've got Stones and Otamendi who are both better being led than they are as leaders. And you know, when we've not got somebody like Company who can come in for a few games and be that leader, you really miss his presence. So I think it's I think it's the leadership more than anything else that they're missing. And then it's, you know, when you when you throw in the fact that there's been no consistency in the defence anyway because of because of injuries, um, players just they just Find it very difficult to perform, and it's it's at the moment the the problem that's the problems that City have got are they're taking too many chances themselves to score, mm-hmm. uh, they're missing a whole host of chances, and the opposition don't need many to score against them, and that you know in a short spell that that wouldn't be too much of a problem it's now going on for a, for a bit too long for it to, to not be a worry for the remainder of the season and certainly for Sunday.
1: It's remarkable when you say that given him Mark goals and his city of scored but Pep's been saying it recently hasn't he he says the, the difference between getting to the quarterfinals, final semi-finals of the Champions League and, and actually winning it it's that, that clinical edge which again seems remarkable given the plays at the top end of the pitch.
0: Yeah, he, he sounds himself as well as City as as leading scorers in the league, but like, they, they, you can't get away from the fact you look at the Atalanta game in midweek, they they created enough chances in that first half to have put the game. Well beyond sight, it could have been three, four, five at half time, and then they go on to draw it one all because they have a complete disaster of a second half. Um, the only the, the only game where that wasn't really the case was Watford, and then he went but eight past them. So it, like it's it, it, when they they're, they're, you look at uh, the Southampton game in the, uh, uh, last weekend, they they only really created. Two or three chances in that game, and they scored from two of them. And it's the first time I remember City actually being quite clinical this season after after the Watford match. Um, and it was it was a refreshing change. the only The only chance that I can think that they really missed was uh, was an Aguero header over the bar. Um, and what worries me in games like Southampton is because I know it takes City a lot of a lot of chances to to finish teams off. Now, if they're not creating much, then you kind of think well. This could be the game where they only score once and then they, they let in a soft goal at the other end. as happened in midweek, so it, it's it's a real juxtaposition to say that City are not very clinical and that they're also leading scorers in the league. But what they've done is they've scored a lot of goals in particular games. So they you know they, they put eight past Watford and that's really bolstered the the, the goal difference, for instance. Um, other games they've they've really struggled. Wolves they didn't they didn't really manage to to, to test through Patricio. Um, Southampton it, it was the first shot on target they scored, which was. Like seventy odd minutes, so they're like they're, they've had some problems getting chances into the net. Um, I, I I just don't really know how you solve it. Given that it's not really a case of you've not got the players to do it, because all the players at the top end of city a, a, a city seem are, 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 are utterly fantastic. So I don't really know what why there's that problem. Um, I don't know if it's a, if it's kind of a, a psychological balance thing, and, and, and the worry that they're not protecting the defence enough, and then the pressure that it's kind of gross. putting on players. In yeah, and I, there's also the pot shot element. You look at, at Southampton, for instance. Had, it was like four of 26 shots were, were on target. Um, and I just wonder how much of it is when they come up against a team that is absolutely packing the defence. Um, you, you then have more pot shots, and you then have more kind of snatched efforts when when you've not got that much time or space, and they're more likely to fly over or to, to kind of to near the corner flag rather than near the goal. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Um, but then again, you know, I'm not the one who's paid millions to sort <laughs> it out. So <laughs> I can sit here and demand like Mario overworks out what it is because he's got he's getting the pay
1: packet for it. Isn't <laughs> Definitely, the one person who scored. Got- the most goals for City this season is Raheem Sterling. Is he, has he become the main man now? I know uh, he's never really done it against Liverpool, certainly at Anfield, but there's no getting away from him. He's developed into one of the best players in the world at the Etihad.
0: He is. He's, City aren't the same. So it sounds deaf to say that City are reliant on him to play, but when, when he doesn't play well, City don't play well, and it's as simple as that. Um, when he plays well, City have a very good chance because he... I, I've, not, I've not seen a player like him. When he first arrived, he was playing on the left and cutting inside, and he, it just didn't happen for him in that first season. And then he had that god-awful uh, Euro 2016 experience mm-hmm. where uh, he didn't play well, and the England fans really turned on him. And uh, there, there were stories in the press that Guardiola. It was either a phone call or a text message where Guardiola just said, you know, they'd not met at this stage. And he just said, you know, if you work for me, I'll work for you and from that point on you could see his confidence lifted as soon as he got back to City the first thing Guardiola did was put him on the right flank instead of the left and he was a hell of a lot more dangerous and as the seasons have gone on he's kind of switched him back over to the left again and he's just been this, this, this player where Honestly, he's, he's, he's very right-footed, but you don't know if he's going to go down the left or down the right because he's, he's adept now at, at getting to the byline and then jinking back in and cutting inside and, 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 and kind of working his way along the byline instead. Um, and he, he presents a, a, a real problem for defenders. Um, I think he he'll be under pressure a lot on Sunday because uh, you, you know he gets stick at every single ground he goes to I think there's um, I, we don't get too deeply into it I think there is uh, an element of uh, a nastier side of society that we've seen outside of um, football and more you maybe look at the political situation we're in as well I think there's, I think there's an undercurrent of that that, that that kind of feeds into it um, but you know if there's one set of fans that, that should be allowed to boo him it's, it's Liverpool <laughs> because he was a hot prospect for Liverpool and yeah. And he left. You know, it's like that's there's there's no kind of you can understand that one. Uh, it's when he goes. It's when like he goes to Stoke and there's there's some reason for some reason the Stoke fans don't like him or yeah. you know for some reason the Burnley fans don't like it. It, it, it suddenly feels like there's a like there's a big issue there. Um, but with we we going to Liverpool. He's under pressure because of, of what he did for Liverpool and, and uh, certainly the, the manner in which he left and, and, and kind of how it how it all kind of got a little bit silly towards his uh, towards the end of his time there. So you. Uh, you, you put that pressure on him and certainly if Liverpool will kind of target him as someone to mark out of the game then it could really be a, a big spanner in, in, in City's works I think they... I, 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 for that reason, I, I honestly don't know if, uh, if if Guardiola starts him. I don't think he started in last season. I think he started Mares. And you think there's but, a chance uh, he
1: could do it again this Sunday?
0: Yeah, I I, I I don't know. Again, this is this is the thing though. Like I, I honestly don't know what Guardiola was thinking because he's sat home now, <laughs> in something, some, yeah. uh, some sort of mad solution to this. I mean, take the take the Champions League title a few years ago. um City come back from Anfield with a 3-0 defeat all because that first half was a disaster because he played Gundogan on the right wing for no reason whatsoever um so yeah, Gundogan on the right wing to offer a little bit more protection that just didn't happen, and Liverpool kept cutting through City like a hot knife through butter. And then you know the the, the team gets announced for that second leg, and we all see it going. What on earth is he doing here? Because there was there was like three defenders in it and like four forwards, and the rest were midfielders, all just kind of dotted around the team. And if that second goal, which should have counted, did count in that in that uh, in that game, and City had gone in uh, two nil at half time three two on aggregate, and the game suddenly becomes a, a lot more tens in the second half um you know we, we could be sitting there going god he's a genius for concocting that in the end it turned out that he just looked like a complete lunatic because he, <laughs> he created something that allowed Liverpool to go straight through him again in yeah. the second half um so I don't know it's it, 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 like it, what, he's, what, he's, what he should do is go home switch off not think about it and then just do what, what his instincts say he should do um but he won't do that and we'll see Kyle Walker in goal and we'll see you know Edison on crooks <laughs> sterling on
1: the bench yeah, yeah. sterling on the bench so I, I just yeah I don't, understand. I don't I don't
0: know what to I don't know what
1: to say <laughs> just before we finish it, it kind of goes to show you're kind of like wetting the appetite there and it's, all the joking aside there's been some tremendous matches between the sides between Liverpool and, and, and City under Guardiola and Klopp and the last league one in January was a f- fantastic game of football and you know there will be booze for Sterling there will be booze for City players, and there's, there's no doubt about it there is a bit of bad blood developing between the supporters the managers have been trading a few barbs in the run-up to the match but is there and should there be a a degree of respect there given what both clubs are bringing to football at the moment we are seeing two absolutely tremendous football clubs at like the the peak of the powers football teams you should say as well you know can there be that kind of grudging rivalry there's the rivalry obviously but can there be the respect there as well
0: Yeah, I think like don't get me wrong. I think I think between normal people there is a lot of respect between the two sides. I think between the abnormal, the (laughs) abnormal people, I think there is a lot of (laughs) like a bad feeling. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make a confession now, and that is uh, my I have to really really control myself on social media (laughs) because I think I think it's the social media generation and the the. The feeling between the two sides, I can very, very easily go. God, I hate Liverpool fans. But what I mean is, I hate Liverpool fans that interact with me on Twitter, and that isn't a, that isn't a, a, a cross section of. of um, of again normal people it's yeah. like that any any regular person could go God you know City are a fantastic team Liverpool are, are a fantastic team they really pushed each other at the end of last season but what I did was I found myself hating Liverpool at the end of last season because what the messages that get spread on, on social media are the absolutely you know I was going to swear then, but I won't. The, the absolutely crazy Liverpool fans who believe this, that, and the other, and then you've got the absolutely crazy City fans on the other side yeah. that do this, that, and the other, and they're the ones that get the retweets and the shares on Facebook, and and, and everyone go, "God, look at this idiot," sort of thing. And you know, City fans see that, Liverpool fans see that, and they go, "God, well they're not they're not representative yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of, of the of the fan base." But it's what everybody else sees, and it's what everybody else kind of thinks that fan base is like. So what what's happened is we've got this situation now where on Twitter you you follow the sensible people, and you have this kind of this kind of group where you, where you're happy to talk to opposition fans and, and and chat sensibly about the game with with people who react normally about it. And then you, you, outside of that bubble, you just what gets shared into your timeline is just absolutely <laughs> <Crazy>. nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So. We, we end up, and then, and then we all fall for it, and we all we all sit down and go, God, Liverpool fans are weird. God, City fans are weird. God, Arsenal fans, look at them. Look at the state of Arsenal fan TV, sort of thing. And it just doesn't represent what what normal football fans are like. And you know, I always find it when I chat with Liverpool fans, or you know, I, I do a few Liverpool podcasts and, and, and chat to them, and they're all really reasonable people. <laughs> and that's not the impression that that City fans get of them from social media, because that's they're not, you know, the reasonable things are the things that ever get, get amplified so, and pushed. I, yeah, it? I so I just I just think what we we kind of have to do is is accept that there is that respect there, but it doesn't get the attention it des- it deserves because we get the clown in the you know in the deaf live bird outfit or yeah. the city fan dressed up as you know with with three million badges and a face <laughs> tattoo of the club of badge, you know, just like the deaf stuff is the stuff that gets shared and we have to remember that that isn't what most people are like.
1: Well said. Just before I ask you for your verdict then, if I was on that kind of note, if I was to ask you of the one player from the Liverpool side who would definitely improve City and vice versa, the City player you think would well, take Liverpool on even further.
0: Um, I think like the temptation for City would be would be to go for an attacking player because we love watching attacking football. Um, but I, I just think the way he's transformed Liverpool's defence and the way City are in so awful need of a defender right now, uh, you've got to take Van Dijk, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other way round, um, I honestly don't know. I think uh, I, I think Liverpool have been, have been playing some really good stuff. And I, I, to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't like I, if we're picking fit players at the moment. I obviously couldn't couldn't have him. But I think if you were to make a defensive partnership of Van Dijk and Laporte, yeah. then I, I suspect that nobody would ever score against that team. Ever. <laughs> so, um, so I, I think there's, there's probably that respect. Equally, I think for for kind of improving Liverpool's attack. There, the, the one thing that, that I think Liverpool could struggle with is if one of the it, 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 you, there's kind of this, this situation where um, Salah uh, Mane and Firmino haven't really suffered uh, with injuries or suspensions at no. this point like uh, like, uh, well I mean City haven't really suffered in the, in the forward lines either Um but if one of them goes, and then you know you're kind of reliant on the on the reserve, and you've got obviously, you, there's obviously Chamberlain there as well who has been playing really well recently. But I think beyond that, you kind of then into a position where you're starting to, certainly if you've got three game a game every three days, there becomes a point where you, there's a lot of pressure on those players. Yeah. For are chucking maybe someone like Sterling, who you know Liverpool fans know all about him. He's been fantastic for City, and, and would, would improve any team he'd go to. And I think City have got if he's got ambitions to, to go and play. in Spain, that I think City are going to have a job on their hands to keep hold of him because, you know, Real Madrid could quite easily come in with a blank cheque with
1: yeah, completely. Last one, mate, before I let you go, you've been on, given us loads of your time already. What's your prediction then for Sunday if, if, if you want to give
0: us one? I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't see how, so I'd like, I, don't get me wrong, I would love City to get a result. Um, I would love City to go there, be pragmatic and nick it, or be pragmatic and just kill the game, get a draw. Um, but I think the way Liverpool attack, the way City have been defending like it's clown college, uh, I just think there's there's goals to be had. Um and if Claudio Bravo's in goal, it could be anything. I'm going to I'm going to conservatively say a 2-1 Liverpool win, uh, but I am very willing to eat my words if it gets to four, five, or six. Like, like there was a point in, uh, a couple of years ago where it was four-one, and I just I, Liverpool seem to score with every attack. If that happens again, then it could get quite embarrassing. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.